Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey y'all, it's football time here in Tennessee once again. So I had to wonder, what is Football Morning in America, NBC Sports, NFL writer, legend? Peter King, what does he think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out the Chase Thomas podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, If you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content every single day. Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports guys, sports reporters assemble, NFL, NBA, college football, all that and more right here on this feed each and every day. Your favorite writers, analysts, personalities in the space on this very feed every day. So if you like that, you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever about the Chase Homes Podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating. Write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second. Hit that pause button. Take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ over there, not in New York City, so I can't do the bit. Can you do a Los Angeles, California bit, John Taylor of Fangraphs.com? I mean, I could do a really bad California accent, I guess. Let's say it. Y'all like, brah, dude, that's like air in Los Angeles, brah. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's not bad. Okay. All right. It needs some work. I, I'm okay with it. Um, John's over there across uh, across the pond, as they say, when you yes. go from East Coast to West Coast. You that go across a, the that, pond. That is exactly what they call it. Did you get caught up in the hurricane or no? We got here the day the tropical storm hit. Oh, really God. impressive stuff. Which, so it was a very serious thing. And obviously there was a, a lot of flooding and, and mudslide damage that happened around mm. the area. But in Los Angeles proper, it seemed like it was just a lot of really heavy rain. Mm. So, you know, for myself, it's like, you know, I I get that in L.A. it doesn't rain all that often, certainly not as much as it did on that day. But for me, just like, you know, we're outside and we're just like, it's just a lot of rain. You know, people people here are losing their minds because there's a ton of rain. And it's like it rains like this in New York, like four times a year. Probably probably more than that. Like, 
but it, it's fine. The people of LA are, it's lovely. It's lovely here. They got great food. I have had uh, more Asian and Mexican food in the last uh, 96 hours than I think I had in the entire year previous. So it's, it's been great. What's the best thing you ate? Ooh, that's a tough one so far. There's a great Taiwanese breakfast place called Pine and Crane in downtown LA. Mm. That if you are a fan of uh, Chinese breakfast, some Taiwanese mm. breakfast, and anything, if you're a fan of egg and dumplings, just you know, in on in the same meal, definitely go do that. Really, really good. Okay. I like it. Not a sponsor, but could be. Um, be. John Taylor, just because you're across the country doesn't mean you get to get out of your take graphs take of the week here. So you had a lot to choose from over the last week. The Yankees losing streak being the longest since Rich Hill was a Montreal Expo. Um, There's, I mean, the both New York teams in disarray, the White Sox in disarray, and we'll we'll get into the White Sox. The Tigers Mm -hmm. running out of outfield spots, uh, the Nats keeping the gang together here. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you could have gone here, John Taylor. Where did you go with your take of the week here? Well, I am a small, petty man, and so because this Red Sox season has been so eminently forgettable, I have to focus on the New York Yankees and the fact that they are just deep in the bowels of hell right now, and not just this season, but boy, if you look at them long term, I think it's fair to say they are in a fair amount of trouble going forward. This is probably the worst long-term like projection situation, whatever you want to call it, that you that the Yankees have seen probably in going on thirty years at this point. This Ooh. it has been a long time since the Yankees looked this bad. And I guess maybe the last year of the Derek Jeter era was kind of a similar period. But at least there's a feeling of kind of a transition there, of an end of something, and the beginning of another thing. This mm. just looks like all the the carefully laid plans and machinations of the last really ten years of Yankees baseball and Yankees uh, uh, personnel moves have just come to a collapse because really this Yankees team isn't just mediocre. They're not just bad. They stink. They flat out stink. They are a Mm. bad, bad team with a roster that does not work, does not make sense, and is really, really going to be difficult to fix going forward uh, for a variety of reasons. So again, I am a petty man and I, I, you know, I am going to luxuriate in this for as long as I can because I've, you know, in my life, I know that the Yankees are just your, your stereotypical horror movie villain, you've got to stab them a thousand times before they finally go down. And even then they're going to be back for the sequel in, in 18 months. But you know, this is a really, if you're a Yankees fan, you are not feeling good. You're definitely not feeling good about this team. If you're even still bothering with this team at this point, and you really shouldn't be, they got uh, two hit by the nationals yesterday, which is, I don't know any better way to, to, to kind of put your season has gone completely to hell than that. But again, the future for this team looks very dim at this point. So when you say dim, though, do you think we're looking because they're going to finish worse than the AL East, which nobody had before the year? Nobody yeah. had the uh, the New York Mets and the New York Yankees potentially both finishing last in their respective positions. Um, but New York, baby, New York. <laughs> let's go. Hey, let's I'm go walking New York. here. Yeah. Um. Wow, we pissed off so many people. It's between LA. the Mets, the Yankees, and America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, what a rough year for the city of New York. A rough year indeed, my friend. But when you look at this, do you think they don't bounce back? Do you think Cashman doesn't go full throttle because they like hit this kind of rough patch that there is a way to kind of seamless? Because it is easy to forget. They were predicted to win the division. I think you on this very program had the Yankees winning the division again. So there Probably. was enough here before the year to believe this team 
maybe not the favorites coming out of the AL, but they should win the division or win 90 plus games that like, do you think there's going to be enough roster turnover or they have to make so many tweaks to this core and to this group that they can't get back into that 90 ish win threshold going into next year? You don't, do you think that's feasible? Well, well here's the problem. There isn't going to be a lot of roster turnover mm. in this coming off season. The, the, the two major free agents that this team is going to lose or it may lose depending on how the off season shakes out are Harrison Bader and Wandy Peralta. That's not exactly two guys who really make a difference, I don't think, one way or the other. Bader's a great defender. Peralta's been a very good lefty reliever. But, you know, those are not core pieces of this team. The core of this team is not going anywhere. And I think that is the actual problem. You leave hmm. aside Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, and Carlos Rodon, because those are the three best players on this team. And I, I think to a certain degree, you know, I don't know that, you know, or better said, if you were to have kind of imagined out what a last place Yankees team would have looked like, it would have involved, well, Aaron Judge only playing like half the season and not playing very well when he's healthy either, and one of Rodon or, or Garrett Cole missing a ton of time because of injury. And that's exactly what happened. So on the one hand, you can go into next season being like, well, so long as that doesn't happen again, this team should be better. Mm. The flip side to that is, why exactly would you expect any necessarily anything different or better? Carlos Rodon has never been the picture of health in the entirety of his career. Last year, the year before, uh, last year in San Francisco, the year before in Chicago, those are the outliers for him. You know, mm. the, the rest of his career has been a long struggle through injury. And of course, the older he gets, the more difficult that's only going to become. Similarly with Judge, he has not shown the ability to stay healthy for a full 162 game season at this point. Uh, last year, of course, or this year, of course, he has played in a grand total of 71 games. Last two years, he was healthy, 157 games in 2022, 148 games in 2021, but only 28 games in 2020, 102 games in 2019, 112 games in 2018. You know, that's not necessarily predictive, but again, we're seeing that Judge is a guy who is not a great, or is not the best bet to stay healthy for a full season. And if that does in fact happen, we've already seen what the effect is on this Yankees lineup. It is so one-dimensional without him. Mm. And granted, again, there are some issues there too where it's like nobody could have projected that Anthony Rizzo would not only suffer a concussion, but also somehow play two months with a concussion that nobody seemed to notice. Mm. I, I don't know when the Yankees were like when the Yankees training staff was replaced with the Dolphins training staff, but I guess that's, you know, maybe it's a, some kind of exchange program to get, you know, uh, experience in another sport. But but at the same time, Anthony Rizzo is not getting any younger, nor is a guy like Giancarlo Stanton, who it's very clear at this point, now 33 years old, heading on to 34 is just not going to be the guy the Yankees expected him to be when they traded for him from Miami. He has not been a two-win player or better since 2018. That is, you know, for the money he's making and for the fact that he offers next to zero defensive or base running value, he is, I wouldn't call him a millstone by any regards, but that is not that is not a guy who I think you really feel comfortable being part of the long-term core. And, uh, th I mean, there are other major issues here, too. I should, I should have mentioned the other uh, notable free agent that the Yankees will be saying goodbye to almost certainly is Luis Severino, who is amid a season from hell that I don't think anyone could have seen coming, but also points to another significant problem that the Yankees have had, that, that the would-be baby bomber core of Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres, Luis Severino, Gary Sanchez, Greg Bird, Clint Frazier did not pan out the way as expected. Judge is obviously yeah. the huge success story there. But Torres has turned into something close to roughly a, a somewhat above average infielder who's pretty good with the stick and pretty good with the glove, but nothing really more than that. Uh, Severino obviously has not been a, was not able to stay really healthy during his time with the Yankees, and this year has been a, a complete disaster for him. Almost certainly will not be coming back unless it's under some uh, maybe some kind of one year pillow deal type thing. Sanchez obviously did not work out. Frazier did not work out. Bird did not work out. 
you know, those those failures to to develop that core are really what haunts this team right now because this is an old roster. Mm. Uh, Judge is already 31 years old. Uh, you have to remember, he started his career relatively late because he was a college bat. Yeah. Uh, Stanton is 33. Garrett Cole is 32. Rodon is 30. DJ LeMahieu is 34. Rizzo is 33. You know, th- the young guys on this roster right now are Glaber Torres, who has one more year of team control left next season uh, before he hits free agency, and... Nestor Cortez, who similarly is has two more years of team control left before he reaches free agency. That's really about it. And I guess if, you know, Jonathan Lysica, but, you know, I'm not really going to get into the bullpen to say this is where all the, the magic happens necessarily. Mm. And great that there are some young players, uh, you know, who, are, who have already come up from the minors who are starting or will be up from the minors soon, who I think the Yankees will be kind of leaning on heavily to give them some of that uh, to help create uh, almost another new young Cora. Everson Pereira, one of their top prospects, whom they just called up recently. Uh, Oswald, Oswald Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera. Uh, obviously, their number one and two prospects, Spencer Jones and Jason Dominguez, the latter of whom just got bumped up to AAA, almost certainly will be part of this roster uh, in 2024, given how bad, the, how bad the outfield has been for the Yankees uh, this season and also in the past. But, you know, I think the other important thing to, in, on, top, on, on top of everything else this is not the same Yankees team as it or Yankees franchise as it was under George Steinbrenner, where you could go into every offseason feeling confident that they're going to spend a bajillion dollars to make this team better, particularly coming off a season where expectations were not met. So to be so to be said, uh, Hal Steinbrenner is not his father in that regard. He is clearly does not have the appetite for spending in that way. You could argue and, and Mike Exis over at CBS Sports uh, wrote a very good piece about the Yankees roster failures uh, of a couple weeks ago, noting that. You know, you could point to a lot of the failures for this team starting as far back as the 2017-18 offseason when coming off that ALCS loss to Houston where they fought the Astros super close, clearly looked like the second one of the one of the two or three best teams in the American League at that point, did made the decision not to not to spend big on that offseason, to cut back on spending, to try to get back under the luxury tax thresholds. And that I think has really hamstrung this team. Granted, mm-hmm. they have made some big money additions in that period. Obviously, Garrett Cole. Uh, with the biggest contract ever given to a pitcher in, in MLB free agent history, uh, the big contract given to Rodon, the big extension given to uh, given to Aaron Judge, the money that they took on from Stanton's contract. But this is not a team I don't think that we can say is going to go into this offseason and say, you know, they're going to spend big. It hurts, too, that the number one free agent on the market and the guy who would instantly turn around the franchise in every respect in Shohei Otani is not going to sign with them. He is not going to sign with an East Coast team. So, you know, you look at that and you're thinking, okay, are the Yankees are the Yankees problems really going to be solved by giving Blake Snell a four year, 95, 90 million dollar deal? Is that even the kind of thing that the Yankees should do? You know, I, Dan Samborski over at Fangraphs wrote an article today, uh, Wednesday, arguing that really at this point, the Yankees should be considering some kind of larger retooling because the roster as it stands simply is not competitive. And the majority of this roster is returning next year a year older and with worse projections going forward. There's really no one on this roster right now that you would expect to be necessarily any better next year over this year, aside from the folks like Rodon and Judge, who presumably if they can play a full season healthy, should be better. But at the same time, DJ LeMahieu clearly is on the downside of his career and is not getting better. Uh, The Josh Donaldson experiment, which this is probably my favorite thing. Josh Donaldson has a team option for next year at $16 million, which is almost certainly going to be declined. Yeah. But that's going to be with an $8 million buyout. The Yankees are going to have to pay $8 million next year for Josh Donaldson to do something else somewhere else. 
Mm. There are real problems with this team that I don't think they can just fix by signing a couple free agents and calling it a day, nor do I think they can go into this offseason with any expectation that, well, we'll just run it back next year and these guys should be better. And look, I expect there to be changes. First and foremost, I think Aaron Boone is a goner. I, I don't really see any way he survives this season, particularly given just how defeated and just out of it he has sounded when he has talked about this team, you know, despite a number of, of, of losses, especially this, this current losing streak that are just, you know, that, that loss to the Marlins about a week or so ago where they blew up, I think, a four or five run lead in the ninth inning, in part because Clay Holmes simply didn't know how to field a ground ball properly. But everyone after that game was saying something to the effect of, you know, we just got to keep pushing through and keep climbing the mountain, whatever. Th that's a team that's just out of touch with reality. And I think that probably starts with the manager. Um, so I would imagine that that Boone is gone. I think the obviously the biggest question for the Yankees is, is this the end of Brian Cashman? I had always kind of figured that Cashman had that job until he did not want it anymore. But mm. it's pretty clear that the way he has built this roster in particular and the decisions that have been made in free agency, leaving aside the, the player development stuff, the Yankees still remain pretty good, but their farm system is in a little bit of a fallow period right now. Uh, Jones, uh, Jones, Dominguez, and Pereira notwithstanding. I, I don't really know if, if Brian Cashman seems to be the guy going forward for this team. This this roster just does not seem built to win baseball games nowadays. Uh, in, in his piece for, for CBS Sports, Mike Exissa made a point that is just staggering to me. Aside from Anthony Rizzo, this team does not have left-handed sluggers. Hmm. How on earth do you have, when you have a, a team that plays half its season in Yankee Stadium with the short porch that hyper favors left-handed hitters, do you not stack that lineup with left-handed sluggers? Instead, you have a lineup full of right-handed hitters with swing and miss issues. You know, if you want to know why the Yankees just keep churning out these one, two, three-run games where they're just getting nothing done and where it just seems like it's just a constant uh, all-or-nothing approach, that's because that's all they've got, really. Hmm. And you, so it does make me wonder. It's like, is that something where at a certain point you just need a fresh voice in charge? You know, I, I don't know who that would be. I don't know if this is something where, you know, if Cashman were to step down, it would simply be he'd be replaced with someone internally. You Brian know, Sabian, be, for instance, uh, which is in, in my mind, it's like so the the suggestion to replace Cashman is someone who's even older and has less and has uh, has been away from making these kinds of decisions for even longer. Mm. I don't know. It, it, I think it all just adds up to me as the Yankees have a ton of questions going into this offseason as to what this team is going to look like going forward. And I don't think there are really any easy answers. I mean, consider the fact that payroll wise. Uh, already next season, they have guaranteed $40 million to Aaron Judge, $32 million to Giancarlo Stanton, $36 million to Garrett Cole, $28 million to Carlos Rodon, $15 million to DJ LeMayhew, uh, a combined $14 million, uh, or sorry, $17 million to, to Anthony Rizzo. Again, the $8 million they're going to have to pay Josh Donaldson just to go away. And then they also have arbitration contracts for Glaber Torres, who made $10 million this year and is going to get a raise. Uh, Lou Trevino, Clay Holmes, Nestor Cortez, D Domingo Herman, Jose Trevino, Jonathan Loisega. Uh, I wanted to say Franchi Cordero, but I'm not going to do that. Mm. Kyle Gashioka, Michael King. There are a ton of guys set to get raises this offseason just through the arbitration process alone. And again, they're not shedding much in the way of salary. It really is just Severino, Bader, and, and Wandy Peralta. That's about it. You know, I, I don't really know that the Yankees, this is not a situation where they're going to come into the offseason flush with cash and tons of spending room to just start handing out big contracts left and right. I think you probably will see something similar to what happened last offseason where they get, you know, a judge aside because, you know, that was more of, I, you know, he was a free agent, but, you know, obviously he was staying with the same team. It might just be the one big contract 
and that's it. But I don't think that's going to be enough for this Yankees team, particularly with how Baltimore looks and how much on the upswing they are, particularly with the way Tampa Bay is just a perpetual contender no matter what happens to them, with the way that Toronto has just kind of established itself as a steady 88 to 93 win team year in and year out, with the Red Sox also there. And while the Red Sox obviously have their own problems, you know, I think we can safely say that barring some total disaster there, they're going to be part of the the race in the AL East or at least the wild card. And again, Lots and lots and lots of questions for this team. No easy answers. This is one of the most pivotal offseasons, I think, in the history of the franchise, or at least in the last 30 years of the franchise, maybe even further back. And I don't know. Again, if I'm a Yankees fan, I don't feel good about where this team is, either in the present or looking ahead toward the future. Yeah, and I mean, the assistant GM, uh, Gene Aftman, has been there forever. She's not wanted to be GM. She's talked about that. Um, yeah, she is. She's made it pretty explicit that she has no interest in being the general manager. And I think it's important to note because, like, the Yankees don't really go outside the family. Like, Billy Epler was in the family for a long time, and he's yeah. gone. And obviously, that's not an option. And Cashin was an internal promotion. And I just, I don't think there's a natural in-house option. So if they do something, I feel like they would bring someone who used to be in family like kim ang would she entertain it like if he like you get to spend with the yankees i mean obviously like we talked about it but like a little bit of a better deal and there are already rumblings about where Derek jeter might wind up in the next two to three years uh i believe he was the one who hired her or was uh she was brought I, on i'm with- i'm pretty sure she she along with gary denbo who was then yeah. uh the yankees de- director of player development before he took the marlins director of player development job although he's no longer with the marlins because apparently he uh he clashed rather hard with folks in a way that they did not appreciate. Well, either way, like I could see that if the Yankees actually move on from Cashman, Kim Ang would actually be the number one. I would keep my eye. I, on. I could see that. I mean, I think the the question is like 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 you said, where else are they going to go? Who else is yeah. really appealing? And it's there isn't an obvious like you know. And they David wouldn't fire Cashman. The they would just make him the executive vice president of team relations I, and uh, I, I, I agree. team no, I emeritus think, or yeah, whatever I, he's I in think, the family i think cashman would be allowed to fall on his sword in a graceful way it would be yeah. a frankie pentangeli in godfather 2 you know mm-hmm. who, gets, who gets told uh you know back in the day roman senators who fell afoul of the emperor or whatever um mm-hmm. but yeah there, there is no obvious solution there's not a david stearns to the mets type you know no. uh obviousness here it's it, it, again, it, there are a lot of questions about what's next. And that doesn't even cover, again, if Boone leaves, and I do think that is a guarantee. He's the most point, obvious. Like, Boone, there's no way he's back. Who replaces Aaron Boone? That's going to be another huge question for the Yankees. Who are they going after to get a manager? Because they need someone who, you know, for, for all of Boone's failings as a manager, and I think there are quite a few, it's pretty clear that at the very least he managed to be the kind of clubhouse guy that worked with this team, even though it does seem like this team's vibes right now are just rancid. You know, but well, there's one manager you... who will not be available for the New York Yankees. It's because he's advising another franchise at the Look, moment. And, I, and that's I, Tony La Russa. I don't and this is have, our Super Bowl. I don't have enough animals to sacrifice to, to make a Tony La Russa Yankees manager happen. That would be a dream unlike any other. But you're right. Tony La Russa is going to be the, the right-hand corpse to Jerry Reinsdorf out in Chicago. John, I don't even know. Like, I was organizing my thoughts here for what the White Sox have done. Dayton Morris popping up in my life again. Chris Getz, maybe Jim. Like, uh, Kenny Williams mentioned first in terms of the firings uh, by the White Sox press release and a very weird press release, folks, if you yep. want to read that one. Um, Rick Hahn, obviously, uh, also let go. Then they might be moving to Nashville because they're going to put pressure on the city to build a new stadium. If John Angelos doesn't beat them there first. Yeah, like... 
John Angelos, who just want to make the quick aside, as Jerry Reinsdorf was busy crapping all over himself this week, John Mm. Angelos off the top rope being like, the only way the Orioles can afford to keep this young core together is the ticket prices go through the roof. Because mm-hmm. apparently no one at, no one in the Orioles front office knows how to keep their owner from saying incredibly stupid things to recorders with or to mic or to reporters with with open microphones. But I digress. I mean, just real great stuff. Opposite end of the spectrum here, but uh, owner um, <laughs> owner incompetence uh, can both we love is it. is rampant all over the place. But you can win with it. It's just not as fun sometimes because you're like, okay, this feels like this could fall apart at any given moment. Um, but John, the White Sox actually did it. Reinsdorf actually cleared house to open the door for Tony La Russa, Dave Moore, and Chris Getz to walk cleaned, away. I couldn't imagine. house. Or Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I just couldn't imagine if you're a White Sox fan. I think this everything is bad where they're like, hey, have y'all like looked for leaders? And Luis Robert's like, no. Not no. really. We, did, we didn't even everything. It's just terrible. Did we even get a chance to talk about that interview uh, that uh, Keenan Middleton did, where he was straight up like some guys were sleeping in the bullpen during games, and then mm. they asked Lance Lynn about it, and he was like, "Yeah, the clubhouse is pretty bad over there." Like, look, this this has been long overdue getting uh, getting Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams out of the paint. This White Sox team has v- violently squandered. Uh, not just the guys who were initially part of, supposed to be part of that winning effort in Chris Sale and Adam Eaton in uh, you know the other players they had during that uh, mid 2010s uh, period, but now have also squandered the pieces that they got back. They've 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 gone through two windows at this point and failed mm-hmm. in both of them. And you could argue, you know, there there have been some successes in Chicago. They certainly were a good team in 2020. Things you know, looked pretty good coming out of that season. But then last year was a met or 2021 was not great. Last year was a total disaster uh, as predicted with the Tony LaRusso hiring that that just went completely to hell. This year has been somehow even worse. I have to imagine Pedro Griefall is also not going to last. Uh, is also not going to be part of this White Sox team going forward. He seems to be completely asleep at the wheel, but it's funny. You're saying cleaning house by getting rid of Han and, and Kenny Williams, but this to bring back Tony LaRusso, to be the the GM's uh, advisor and presumably drinking buddy, that's that's like cleaning house and then going down to your basement, grabbing all the trash you'd stored down there and bringing it up to the living room. Like you're you're, you're just <laughs> shuffling. It is it is deck chairs on the Titanic, which on which Tony Larusa was a passenger. Like, They're somehow getting it worse. Like if you're a White Sox fan, you're going the wrong way. Dayton Moore, who's best friends yeah. with Chris Getz, and like that's the new brain trust. Tony Larusa. Those are Chris- not guys you should be trusting. Have you seen what Dayton Moore did to the Royals? But also, have you seen what Chris gets? Who, what has he? What he's done in the hiring and firing practices of Chris gets when he's running the minor league operations with a certain West Helms and Omar Vizquel, and just yeah, yeah. You, you go through that and you're like, I don't know, man. Um, if you're a White Sox fan, you're like, you're waiting for this day, and now you're like, uh oh, I did. Uh-oh, could it yeah, be worse? And you're like, okay, it actually can. It get actually, worse. it really actually could be. I mean, look. This team has a lot of problems. Their player development yeah. has been a flat-out disaster. Uh, Keith yeah. Law for the Athletic uh, wrote a piece today. Well, that's that, why you, you know, make the new GM the guy who's been in charge of that for the last. Well, seven exactly. Years. That's just that's just logical. But mm-hmm. uh, if you want a good breakdown of how exactly the the White Sox have failed from a player development perspective, Keith Law at the Athletic has a very good piece uh, detailing the myriad uh, missteps and poor signings they've made. I, I was struck particularly by how bad their international work has been. You know, this is a team that brought Jose Abreu to the majors, and granted, he was already an established star in Cuba, but nonetheless, 
was the team that managed to get him over here. Obviously, that signed Luis Robert, that signed Aloy Jimenez, you know, that brought all these guys in with all this hype behind them. Most of that has not panned out. Robert has been great, but Jimenez very clearly looks like he is a DH only guy at this point with a, who probably is a, you know, seems to be like a junior Giancarlo Stanton to a certain degree. Mm. Uh, Abreu obviously is no longer there. You know, the player development behind, uh, you know, the two major pieces that came back in the Chris Sale trade, Yohan Mankata and Michael Kopech, neither of them have come anywhere close, I think, to the expectations that either the team or the fans had for them. But, I mean, leaving even that aside, like, how do you, again, how do you trust the people who are already there to fix this? Like, these are the same people who thought it was a good idea to give $75 million to Andrew Benintendi, who has a 93 OPS plus this season. He's slugging 362. He has three home runs. Three, three, three. I'm just going to keep saying that number over and over again. And that is the biggest free agent contract the White Sox have ever given out was to Andrew Benintendi and his three home runs, who was signed for another four years and $60 million. What is the, if you're a White Sox fan, what is the hope right now? What about this season gives you any positive feelings going forward, especially knowing that the main impediment to progress is the 87-year-old lunatic who currently runs the team and is currently making noise about how if the city of Chicago doesn't pay up, he might move the team out to Naperville or something. He's trying to trying to pull or a bears on the city. Or Nashville. Again, like, we see this over and over again. The default example I always go to is Artie Moreno. Mm. Bad ownership is crippling. You're right. You can win sometimes despite it but particularly meddling ownership. And Jerry mm. Reinsdorf, above all else, is a meddler. You cannot win with that because no. this is what happens. You think you finally reached the point of, okay, they got rid of the GM who is just treading water the whole time. They got rid of the figurehead GM who they apparently couldn't find the heart to fire like 10 years ago. Yeah. And the solution is to bring back the manager who completely lost the clubhouse and was falling asleep during games to offer his the the unique insights that only a 138 year old man can on the current state of baseball it, it, it's baffling to me like well it's not baffling it's jerry reinsdorf and i think the reality is nothing changes about this white Sox team nothing changes with regards to the future until and unless jerry reinsdorf is gone and i think if there's one silver lining to all this if you're you know if you're seeing uh with regards to reinsdorf he is 87 years old he cannot live forever and more importantly than that, it does seem to feel like if he's already starting to make noise about new stadium, we can't afford, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's an inkling there that the Reinsdorf, the Reinsdorf family might be looking to sell. That maybe this is the time, like, we, we don't know, because this might be a similar situation a la Detroit where uh, Mike Illich dies, his son Chris Illich takes over, and it's very clear that Chris Illich does not really care about baseball. The Detroit Tigers yeah. are not really an interest of his. Maybe the same is true of the younger Reinsdorfs. Maybe they don't particularly care about owning the Chicago White Sox, a team that plays in uh, a team that will always be second uh, in the city of Chicago to the Cubs, no matter how bad the Cubs are, that no one really cares about on a national level, and that in the last since winning the World Series 18 years ago has made made the playoffs all of three times and has all of three wins to show for it. You know, th this is not a this is not a dynasty. This is not a family heirloom of any sorts. This is a pretty mediocre team in a really bad division that doesn't really make I'm sure that does not really make that much money. So if you're the Reinsdorfs and you just saw, uh, for example, uh, I mean, granted, totally different sport, but you just saw Dan Snyder, who is the worst human on the planet Earth get $6 billion or whatever it was for selling the commanders. Or similarly, you know, you're seeing teams being sold left and right for valuations of one and a half, two, two and a half, three billion dollars. Why not cash out and see if mm -hmm. someone else wants to take over this nuclear slag pile? So that's that. That's where it stands if you're a White Sox fan. Your best hope right now 
is that the Reinsdorf family is begging the aged patriarch, please let go of this money-wasting enterprise and just move on. Go go yeah. spend your time ruining the bulls instead or, or whatever it is he wants to spend his time on. You know, and if nothing else, that would be good for the sport of baseball, too, given how retrograde and stupid Jerry Reinsdorf is and how obviously uh, loud and bad a voice he is when it comes to labor relations within the sport. So, again, that that's your hope as a White Sox fan, because otherwise, if Jerry Reinsdorf is, is running this team, nothing changes. It's just going to be it's Groundhog it's Groundhog's Day over and over and over again. Oof. Yeah, you got to get a White Sox fan on here and just just let them just scream into a microphone for like two or three straight minutes. Just let them get primal scream it out. I mean, I just don't know if they have any more screams. Like, it's just sad now. You're just like, I just feel like if you're a White Sox fan at this present time, you're like, do I do I put my fandom in free agency? Do I just say I can't emotionally invest in this right now? This is just this is a bad relationship. This this isn't getting better, and I just I can't keep going back to the well here. I, this I, is just I, I bad. I do think a lot of that fan base is completely checked out at this point. I mean, how I, can I, you I not? Think that, I I don't I I think they should be. You know, like what yeah. is what is the appeal here? If you're a White Sox fan, what is the appeal? Again, nothing changes with Jerry Reinsdorf in charge. Not at all. Uh, let's go happy, John. After two strong takes here with the Yankees and the White Sox, let's go positive here. All right. The Mariners are around 32 and 13 since July. Did they play yesterday? Uh, I believe so. Yes, they well, they played today and they lost to the White Sox. Okay. Funny enough. <laughs> uh, but I believe they beat the White Sox yesterday. Okay. So they're about 33 and 13 um, at this point in time or 33 and 14 since July 1st. Yes. Mariners are going to be a playoff team. And what did I say at the beginning of the year, John? We're like, they were steady, Eddie. Did, Everyone did didn't want to put. I said they were a playoff team again, and okay, I said, I just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, the yesterday is as distant <laughs> to me as the fall of Rome." Okay, like I, yes. Anyway, it's okay. The reason I'm saying all this, not because many have wondered, is Fangraphs a Seattle Mariners blog masquerading as a Major League Baseball blog? Yes, obviously, it's been that for many years. But yes. regardless, bring back USS Mariner, <laughs> among many other blogs. Uh, um, simpler times. Simpler times. Uh, but John Taylor, yes, I just was like, there's too much of a baseline of talent where I like enough. These guys, Julio Rodriguez, we both like Jared clinic. Uh, we were betting on him kind of breaking through and before his foot injury, he was seemingly breaking through. They just had <laughs> a high, uh, yes, they did. They just felt like a high floor team to me. Like, I don't think they had the personnel to win a world series, no, but I just I, saw, I, don't believe so. I just thought. They were going to be able to do enough. They can fix stuff a little bit at the deadline, but they're just like a mid eighties to maybe best case scenario, 90 win team. If they stay relatively healthy, because I think Jerry DePoto has done a good job of building a high floor, consistently competitive Mariners club. They're very, they're very competent, right? Like they're just very competent. And they finally like baseball is a law of averages, right? Where you just, when you play 162 games, eventually you're going to get hot for a month when you are hot when you're a high floor team and the mariners have finally gotten their month where they got hot and that was july into late august here so i think they're a solid playoff team but what what's been the biggest thing for you in terms of the mariners riding the ship here and being a definite playoff team going into september 
Uh, well, before we say definite, I would like to note they're a half game up on Toronto, or uh, yes, a half game up on Toronto for the third wild card spot. Mm. Via our playoff odds, we actually like Toronto a little more. This is before, and this is before Seattle lost today. Uh, yeah. Toronto with seventy point seven percent chance to make the playoffs, sixty seven percent chance to win the wild card or to clinch a wild card spot. Seattle sixty two percent chance to make the playoffs, forty three percent chance to make clinch a wild card spot. The difference there, obviously, is that Mariners are only a game and a half back of Texas. Uh, in the AL West, so there is still actually a pretty decent shot for them in the division versus Toronto, seven and a half games back in the AL East, no real shot for them there. Regardless, uh, if you're looking at why it is that uh, the Mariners are in this position, first and foremost, it's Julio Rodriguez. Mm. Here is, I just want to quote the exact numbers for Julio Rodriguez in the month of April. 412, a 412 batting average, a 444 on base percentage, a 659 slugging percentage, uh, four home runs, 22 runs batted in, five walks, nine stolen bases, a 463 weighted on base average, and a 207 weighted runs created plus. Mm. That is simply astonishing stuff. And from a guy who really, uh, this season so far, had not really looked the kind of the part so far of the kind of superstar I think we all expected him to be. So I'm trying to get rid of this. Uh, I got the real J.J. Abrams like light, like the lens flare going on here. Uh, oh, there we go. Um, so yeah, Julio not Rodriguez. Cloverfield, is... just fangraphs.com, John Taylor. Yes. Uh, this is not the star of the Star Trek re, uh, remake where it's just lens flare, lens flare, lens flare, <laughs> lens flare. Um, yeah, Julio Rodriguez is obviously candidate number one in that. Uh, mm. there's been some other help too. I mean, in particular, uh, guys like Dylan Moore, Josh Rojas, and notable that Rojas, obviously one of the two main pieces who came back in that Paul Seawald trade that it made everyone think, okay, the Mariners are selling and have just stopped trying. Uh, Rojas has been very good for them. Uh, very big upgrade at second base over the released Colton Wong. Dylan Moore has been very good stepping in for the injured J.P. Crawford, who himself was having a very good second half before he suffered a concussion. Um, you know, for the most part, they're, the rest of their core, Cal Raleigh, or Raleigh, sorry, uh, Eugenio Suarez, have been able to have been steady. Uh, a lot of this, imagine well, too. Can we even say this, John? Like, Jared Kalinick, Julio Rodriguez, Tiasco Hernandez, J.P. Crawford, Rojas, Ty France, Eugenio Suarez, and Cal Raleigh. Like, there's the one star there with Julio Rodriguez, and mm-hmm. he's a star. That is just competence all across the board. That is that a is. well-built one through nine. Yes, and and I think, too, so they've gotten some good performances from the, from the fill-in guys, in particular mm. uh, Cade Marlowe filling in uh, for Kalenic, who I, I... Is he going to make it back before the end of the season? I hope so. I, I'm, I, I'm not sure. I can't remember when he initially got injured, what the projected timeline was. But um, as someone who got back, I mean, it depends on when he trusts it. I mean, he's been gone since July 19th and we're a little over a month now. Yeah. So I, I would wager that best case scenario is he might be ready for the last week of the season and possibly the postseason if the Mariners make it that far. But um, he's targeting I, an early September return. So okay, I sure. Yeah. OK, that's a week away. But sure. Why not? Or two weeks away, I guess. Um, nah. the, the other important thing here is even despite Paul Seawald being traded to Arizona, uh, the Mariners bullpen has gotten some very good production out of, in particular, Matt Brash, Justin Topa and Gabe Spire, uh, over the last month of play, they've all been very critical to what Seattle has been able to do. Some issues there, I think, particularly in the rotation where they've had to deal with, I think both the issue of Bryce Miller and Brian Wu struggling or having to deal with injuries. And also the fact that those are young pitchers that I cannot imagine Seattle wants to push all that hard. Uh, obviously very frustrating for them to thought I was, yep, wait, hold on. Yep. Thought I was going to sneeze, but it went away. Um, 
dealing with the injury to Emerson Hancock that will uh, knock him out for the rest of the season, which is a blow for them. Uh, but still, at the same time, that's a top three rotate. That's a top three in the rotation of Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and Logan Gilbert. Even though none of those three have pitched particularly well in the second half, that's still as good of a top three as you could reasonably ask yeah. for. Particularly and you have a wild card like Bryce series. Miller. Yeah, it's it is a it is a pretty good setup for them. I think, like you said, this is not a team where I think anyone is putting World Series aspirations on them. There just isn't that level of kind of high end talent, particularly in the rotation, or sorry, particularly in the lineup. And I have to wa- I have to worry too that. You know, some of this uh, bullpen success is rather small sample, although I guess all reliever stats are small sample by definition. But, you know, I don't know that you can necessarily count on that group just being infallible for the rest of the season. But regardless, it is definitely a place I don't think any Seattle fan expected this team to be, particularly after they got rid of Seawald. And if nothing else, it does illustrate that, you know, and, and this is the thing. Jerry DePoto has had no trouble building teams that feel like 85 to 88 win teams that can contend for a playoff spot. The trick mm-hmm. of it has been, and the trick of it will continue to be, taking that next step, finding those players who, who push them up to, that, to that next level, that is going to involve something that the Mariners do not like doing, which is spending money in the offseason. Something they did not do last offseason, with the, ex- with the exception of the extension that they gave Castillo. They're going to need to do it this offseason. They're going to need to figure out a way to get some offense onto this team. I imagine they will be very, very heavy players in on Otani. Obviously, they were very heavy in on Otani when he initially signed. It seemed like he was uh, the second choice uh, behind the, the Angels. Uh, I can imagine DePoto and his company will be making an enormous pitch to him to say, come here and be the successor to Ichiro, be the Japanese superstar that this team wants you to be, or just superstar generally, doesn't have to be Japanese. But um, that obviously, though, will take an ungodly sum of money in order to do. But if you're the Mariners, you know, especially when you when you have a guy like Julio Rodriguez and we have all these young pitchers who seem ready to contribute, now is the time, You've, especially in an AL West that is not going to get any easier going forward, given how good the Rangers and the Astros are. You know, you've got to you've got to make the effort. So it'll be interesting, regardless of whether or not they make the playoffs this season. I think, you know, this is a team that needs to go hard in the offseason and make some big additions in order to take that next step and be a consistent contender and not a team that needs an unworldly month of August from their star player just to be in that wild card conversation. I love it. Uh, John Taylor, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at fangrefs.com this week? So like I said, uh, we had, if you're interested in reading more about the Yankees and their future, Dan Samborski had a really good piece on that that you should check out. Uh, similarly, we've had some very good stuff on uh, Kyle Harrison, top pitching prospect for the Giants who just debuted Earlier this week, uh, Michael Bauman went to Philadelphia for that start. I really recommend that one. A uh, piece I really loved uh, that came out today as well, Wednesday, Davey Andrews on the Twins, who are going, who are projected or on pace to finish with not just the most strikeouts by an offense in Major League history, but the most strikeouts by a pitching staff in Major League history, which is really, really something, particularly for a Twins team that uh, has never really been a strikeout staff for the longest time possible. And really reinforced that by adding Dallas Keuchel, who almost threw a perfect game, which is also yes. kind of crazy on its own. Uh, beyond that, we're going to have an interview with Max Scherzer running toward running at the end of this week. David Lorilla sat down with him. Uh, Scherzer is always a great interview, always has some great insights on the game. Highly recommend that one. Uh, Jay Jaffe is going to look at Spencer Torkelson, who's finally starting to look like the number one overall draft pick Detroit expected him to Detroit, be. Detroit, fun outfield suddenly. Look, with between Spencer Torkelson, the immortal Kerry Carpenter, uh, younger Green. brother of Austin Meadows, Parker Meadows, uh, yeah. Riley Green up in the mix, it, it's all going to be great. So highly recommend you. I didn't know they were brothers, Austin and Parker. I didn't know that they were brothers. Well, I mean, look, 
Is there a more Georgia name possible than Parker Meadows aside from adding third or fourth to the end of it? That's true. Parker Meadows is a pretty like, Georgia. Do you, do you do you remember over on uh, Every Day Should Be Saturday? Uh, mm-hmm. R.I.P. To uh, another good blog. Yeah, a, a great bring blog. back blogs. Um, at one point, I think uh, Celebrity Hot Tub or Ryan Nani, aka Celebrity mm-hmm. Hot Tub, had a wonderful and Spencer Hall, I believe, contributed to as well. Uh, how Georgia is this crime? Uh, regular feature where they would just look at jo- the Georgia crime blotter and and just plot it on a pyramid of. I believe Crokey's was at the bottom and Zaxby's was at the top. Um, Parker Meadows is 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 Zaxby's man. He is that mm. is as Georgia as a damn gets. I feel like you'd like Zaxby's. Have you had it? I have not because I have never been to a or I've, I've been to Georgia, but not in a good long while. And so I've never is there where is there Zaxby's outside of Georgia? Yeah, there has to be. I mean. Oh yeah, I'm, what am I saying? I'm, I live in Tennessee. There are Zaxby's here. Okay. Um, I, well, yeah. I was surprised when I went to I went to South Carolina last uh, last fall, and I got raisin canes, which I was I was very happy very finally to cross that family. off my list uh, mm-hmm. to get the little hush puppies there. Really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, but was not able. There was no Zaxby's. I was very disappointed hmm. by that. I, I really Maybe figured, especially because it's right. I was right on the because you know we to get to to get where we were in South Carolina, we flew into Savannah, and I figured you yeah. know. Georgia, that part, you know, down or what is it? What I mean, it, it was founded in Statesboro, and uh, the headquarters is in Athens. I know okay. way too much about this. What? Well, why do Look, I? Know you this? you are from. You're supposed to. You are from. This is this is sacred lore. This is it, the. <laughs> these are the books according to according to, who is a famous Georgian? Herschel Walker. These are the books according Jimmy to Carter. Herschel Walker. Jimmy Carter. Yeah, the the the, the lions native. They should blow up Stone Mountain and replace it with I'm a giant bust of Herschel Walker. Okay, but you don't actually like. You know what I mean. Get get rid of the. I was gonna say, are you blowing up my hometown? I'm you not blowing, blowing up the dumb. hometown. Wow, you're from the same town as uh as Kenneth the Page from Thirty Rock. Uh oh my God, that you know it's funny you said that because I that used to drive me nuts because I knew it was gonna. Stone Mountain is 20 minutes from downtown Atlanta, John, mm-hmm. and they used Stone Mountain. I was like, this is not where I'm from. Like this is not when they used that. They picked it out, and I'm like, Stone Mountain National Park and everything else. People have no idea. You go over there and it's like, oh, there's this whole, it's like Dolly World. It's like a whole, like, uh, like there's all kinds of stuff and people go and hike and um, obviously the bad thing on the monument, but like <laughs> around the whole thing, it's just, you wouldn't know. Well, I think, they, I think they picked it because Donald Glover, who was writing for 30 He's Rock also the time, from, Stone Mountain. from Stone Mountain. Yeah. yeah. He's from, yeah, like, what? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it is, Donald Glover clearly has some issues to work out with the state of Georgia and, yeah. and the city of Atlanta. Has he ever thrown out a pitch at a Braves game? I'm gonna guess no. no. I don't think uh, so. That seems like a hard to be a hard no from his team, but yeah, Big Boy keeps throwing him out. Like I feel like um, Big Boy's thrown 19 first pitches. For we the we Braves. before the before the playoffs start, um, we gotta we gotta do a, 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 a make our picks as to who we think the Braves are gonna have throughout first pitches. Because I don't know that they can keep going back to the Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz well. Like, you can only no. do that so many times. Chase but on Thomas? the other hand, are the people really going to get revved up if you're like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Terry Pendleton to throw out tonight's <laughs> f- ceremonial first pitch. Like, I was it, there you know, at Legends Night, uh, ironically enough, for the Strider game uh, last weekend. And I'm just like, I feel like every night's Legends Night. It just, everything's remembers some guys. Like, everything's remembers some guys. And it is. It, it, feel, it feels right. Every night's like, oh, hey, it's Brian Jordan. Like, everyone yeah. everyone gets to hang out. It's like Reggie Sanders. He was on the Braves. Reggie Sanders. Keith Lockhart. 
Heath Locker. I used Reggie Sanders as an immaculate grid pick the other day. Felt really good about that one. There you go. Gary Sheffield, uh, I like he popped up in the Braves on TBS, which is a great Twitter account. I love like it's, you know, are, are, are you really going to deep? Are you going to have to dive deep and get Mark Lemke throwing out those first pitches? Mm. Do you know who's on a broadcast Steve this Avery? week who looks good? Javi Lopez looks really good. Mm, okay. The catcher, right? Not the yeah. not the left-handed reliever whom I despised no. when he was on the Red Sox. Okay. Nicky Lopez, nice. good-looking guy. Nikki, the Lopez's are the Lopez is back. Everybody who had a Javi Lopez jersey sitting in their closet still for some reason can bust that bad boy back out. I will say, um, there were a lot of Spencer Strider jerseys, and a lot of them are sixty-five. And I feel like Spencer getting ninety-nine, it's great. I love Spencer being ninety-nine, but he was sixty-five for a very short amount of time. But he broke onto the scene at sixty-five. Mm-hmm. That's tough, man. When you buy that jersey and he immediately uh, changed it right after. Mm. As someone who bought a Clay mm. Buckholtz uh, player t-shirt right before Buckholtz changed his number. Also, if what you're curious. He? Wait, what, what did he go from what to what? He I was remember a him... 60-something down to like a 30-something. I remember 30-something. I was like, I didn't know if he was like something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, if that gives you any idea of my luck generally when it comes to buying player t-shirts. The only other current active Red Sox player, or the only other Red Sox player t-shirt I bought. So I have a John a Lackey Mar- 41 for you. Dear God, no. I have a Pedro Martinez player t-shirt I bought after he retired because I was like, well, I can't hurt him anymore. So, yeah. you know, the only other player t-shirt I bought for a player who was er- currently on the Red Sox at the time, Daisuke Matsuzaka. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that one aged A lot of people like, had that one. That one aged you could like put Daisuke on the back. On the sun. One of the coolest names of all time, by the way. Daisuke it's a great Matsuzaka. name. And look, he was he was still pitching an NPB up until like a year ago at age like 42. So, you know what? I, him. No bad words to say about Daisuke other than... Man, were some of his starts the single hardest thing to sit through. Like, whew, shit was like a three and a half hour movie with no intermission. That's where we'll leave it. John Taylor, always a pleasure. And I'll talk to you next week. Well, two weeks from now. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. You're, um, pleasantness you're smart so i think i'm going to hear big things about you nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah